As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. Welcome to the One Haas podcast. I'm Chris Kim. Today we have John Balaji, MBA Master of Engineering candidate at UC Berkeley. John is a consortium fellow, an engineer and former consultant, and a leader of the Black Business Student Association here at Haas. John, welcome and great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. John, we usually start these podcasts by going over folks' backgrounds. So some of the details, you are currently an MBA and also a Master of Engineering candidate here at UC Berkeley. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, you did your undergrad at MIT, uh, studying mechanical engineering. And then also before you came to Haas, you worked in consulting at Accenture and also at the supply chain and logistics company, McMaster Car. Along with being an MBA here at Berkeley Haas, you're also a consortium fellow, which is super cool. Could you share a bit about your story? Where does your story begin? And did you know that you were going to do all these cool things when you were a kid? Uh, it's interesting that you ask that. I, I don't think I knew exactly how I would get to this point. I think I always thought I would do cool things, but I didn't know like what the cool thing would be. It's actually part of the reason that I ended up at MIT. It's a very strong engineering school. And when I was in high school, and even now, I, I've always been really, I won't say obsessed, but very passionate about science fiction, sci-fi, the future of technology and all those things. I looked at what I was good at in school, math and science for the most part. And I looked at what kind of jobs that were available to me, being good at those things. And then I looked at what kind of things I wanted to actually, you know, work on in the future and, you know, relation to my passion about science fiction and technology. And so that kind of all coalesced around, all right, it sounds like I'm going to be an engineer. I also didn't mention this before, but my parents are Nigerian. I come from a Nigerian family and there's a joke in Nigerian culture where Nigerian kids can only be one of three professions, either doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And I've got two older brothers, one's a doctor, one's a lawyer. And so the, nat the, the wow. natural kind of <laughs> outcome for me was, yep, I'm going to be an engineer, I guess. And it all kind of worked out that way. And then I started at MIT. I was very happy about getting into such a great school. It's oftentimes, I think, um, just really a blessing and opportunity because there's so many people who are qualified to go to a school like that, that they only have you know so many seats. So it was really a blessing for me. And while I was at MIT, I stepped into mechanical engineering. It was a very mm. broadly applicable discipline of engineering. There's a lot of different disciplines in engineering where you get a little bit more down a focus track, like aerospace engineering. It's similar, but it's like very focused on planes and rockets. And so if you don't want to work on planes and rockets, it's not as applicable. So I chose mechanical because it's very, still very real world focused in terms of building physical things that you can actually, you know, see, feel, touch, as opposed to what was really popular at the time and still is popular, you know, software engineering. I think those things are great, but I kind of always thought more about the technology that you can like actually see and use and a physical impact on your life. And at MIT, I, I really enjoyed um, my time there. It's, you know, a great institution. But as I was going through the time, I realized that engineering is, I realized that it might not necessarily be for me just in terms of the day-to-day the -day life of what an engineer does and what it looks like. Obviously, I finished my degree and I went through it, but it's around, I think, my junior year. I did a few internships, you know, oil and gas, other hardware companies, and then I did an internship in consulting, and I was kind of like thinking about all my options, what I want to do going forward, and I was still always interested in tech, but I also wanted to explore, you know, what are the other industries and job paths available to me after graduation? And so 
I didn't think I was going to go down the route of engineer directly after school. So I was like, let me think about some other things. And at the same time, I was really involved in um, a lot of the engineering leadership um, programs and courses at MIT. So that was a little bit more of, you know, kind of like an early introduction to what the business school type person is. It was a lot more focused on engineering and technical leadership, obviously, because, you know, MIT's got to do everything with an engineering tinge to it. Yeah. But that was really my first understanding of ways that I could be a part of this, um, you know, the future of technology without necessarily being a hardcore engineer myself. And all those experiences really are like, you know what, here's um, what, what might be a good suggestion for you is to look at what are the other industries and roles that are out there. And then maybe sometime in the future, you can come back to engineering. And that's how I ended up going into consulting after graduation, as opposed to a lot of the other like engineering disciplines that my classmates went into, you know, working at Apple and Google and Amazon and all those things. I went into the pure business play side of consulting. And I really enjoyed a lot of my consulting experience. And, you know, I got a, a chance to travel. I, I really like to travel and see different geographies. When I was growing up, we moved around a lot. So I don't really have a hometown that I claim. And I've lived in a lot of different places. So that's the life that I'm used to. And I really want to continue that and see what else is out there and sample a lot of different things. And consulting was really good for that for me. About two years after I started consulting, I realized that it wasn't necessarily the long-term path for me. And I also knew that kind of going in that it was going to be something that I'm going to use to sample and test a few different things. And after two years of doing it, I think I got that experience and I was like, you know what? I think I'm right to want something else. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, I also happened to be on a really tough project at the time. Everyone knows kind of about the consulting lifestyle and I was reaching the, the peak of it, I think, you know, in terms of the long work hours and a little bit of the burnout. And at that time, this other company, McMastercard, reached out to me and said, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for our management leadership rotational program. And again, I've always been interested in this stuff and I was looking for more opportunities to do that. And around this time, I was also thinking, how can I continue to build my career in such a way that I can continue moving up and business school started becoming attracted to me at that time. And this field felt like a really good opportunity for me to continue to test that thesis and also get some better experience on my resume for business school. So I took the offer and I ended up staying, staying at McMastercard for about three years and it was a really good experience. It was very different lifestyle from the consulting world. It was a lot more closer to a nine to five, chiller work hours. You're not traveling all the time. So I really got a chance to stay and explore the city of Chicago, which is where I was at at the time. Oh, wow. And it was really nice to go through the rotational aspects, see different parts of the company. And what was the most attractive about it to me was they offered you the opportunity to have real management and leadership experience at a very early stage in your career. So when I joined McMastercard, I was about two years out of undergrad and six months after joining, and this is kind of typical for people that go through that program, I was already supervisor of my own team of, you know, analysts and people working on things. So this is me, you know, like a, what, 23, 24-year-old that's a leader of people who've been working in this company for 10, 15 years doing all these different things. And it offered me some really interesting and unique leadership opportunities that I was really happy to get and confirmed for me that the leadership and management aspect is where I want to be in terms of this thing, in terms of my career, in terms of how I'm contributing to the world. I think that's where my natural, you know, abilities and skills lie and um, some of my experiences both at MIT and the leadership programs and at the company kind of pushed me in the direction of this is where I should be. And it, at the same time, it also solidified like, and I'm also probably going to get a business school degree out of this because 
that's just how you continue to develop your career when you choose to go down that route. One of the things, John, that really stuck out to me is you have such like the the mix of different skill sets that, you know, especially employers today just love, right? Like you have the technical background, you have, you know, um, and training, and then you have the consulting and the strategy, the analytics that it's like a huge, it's a huge win. Were you super like, and I know you kind of mentioned you're a little bit intentional in terms of really th- being thoughtful in terms of how your career was developing. But even before you came to Haas, you know, I know, I know we talk about career and professional development, personal development a ton. Were you already thinking about those things? And like, how did that transition from, okay, here's like the start of my career to, okay, I'm thinking about business school. How do I think about where I want to go or what do I want to do long-term? I'd say I I definitely was, you know, cognizant of it and thinking about it um, all the time. And what I would really owe that to is I had a lot of good mentors and support system and people showing me the ropes, telling me how it is that people typically progress through these things. Mm. So that was, I think, a really big impetus for me to say, start exploring those options and figuring out, okay, so if this is what you think you want to do, here's how you, you know, have you thought about how you get to the next step? Have you thought about how you get to the next stage? And that was what really set me on the path of business school. Whereas, because I always knew it was an option talking through the difference, but I didn't think it was like necessary. And to be fair, I probably still don't think it's like, quote unquote, necessary, but in talking to my different mentors, both, you know, in my family, through my school connections, also my peers, that just helped me solidify and make it more attractive. I'd also say I like to, you know, enjoy life. I think I'm a fun-loving guy. So hearing about some of the experiences that you can have in business school, taking time off from work to be able to travel and do these different things, that was also really attractive to me. So not just from a career perspective, but from like a lifestyle perspective, mm. it felt like a really good, really good evolution for what I was trying to do. Did you leverage any resources as you were thinking about where you wanted to go to school and how much did that come into play as you're going through the application process? Yeah, 100%. I um, I, I definitely have to give a shout out here to MLT. It's another organization that helps prepare black and brown students for transition into the business school, both into the business school world. There's, there's a few different levels of it. So on the undergrad, they have MLT career prep, which helps you transition into the professional working world. What I did was MLT MBA prep, which helps you. It's essentially um, a large group of people kind of going through the MBA application process. So a lot Mm. of people have MBA application like consultants. This is Mm. like a similar version of that, but it's a larger, it's it's a much larger community and it's focused on uplifting black black and brown students and indigenous students as well. And that was 100% the most impactful part of my preparation and application process. So once I had decided on going to business school, everyone that I knew in kind of like my professional networks in that world, where I was, you know, they all said, you got to do MLT. And my consortium was also, you know, in the conversation, but they're slightly on slightly different timescales. So MLT was really the first intro to this world. And I can't think of enough for how the, 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 the preparation process, the coaches that they give you access to, the networking with schools that they give you is all very impactful. And on top of all of that, it was actually, it just creates such an an amazing community of people who are going through the same process at the same time. I think just this last weekend, I got back from a ski trip in Breckenridge. Oh, wow. Where it was organized by um, the business school at um, Dartmouth. So the Tuck Black Business Student Association. And a lot of people there were people that I met in MLT originally. And so it was almost like a nice big reunion for people who I hadn't seen in such a long time. And like, I just know that community is going to be something that continues to be really strong and impactful in my life as I go forward, not just even in business school, but beyond. 
I know everybody loves Haas when they come here, but was was Berkeley the only school that you were thinking of? Or how were you thinking about your career longer term as you were going through that process or selecting process? Or what kind of advice did you get when you were selecting schools as well? I know for folks who might be thinking about coming to Haas, some of those things might be important as they're thinking about coming here. Yeah, no, those are all, all really good questions and all um, definitely related. I'd say for me, it goes back to this idea that when I was younger, I always wanted to work on technology. I always wanted to work on, you know, what the future looked like. But I also realized throughout that process that it might not be me being an engineer and actually being in SolidWorks and building these things or being in the lab and prototyping them. There's other ways that I could be a part of that while still using my engineering knowledge. As I remember thinking about what it felt like to work in the engineering leadership programs and being a part of those where, yeah, you're working on some technical stuff, but you're also adding this additional layer of management on top of it. It made me think, okay, you know, at, and this is at, at the time I was still at McMaster Car, which was, like I said, a great, a well-run company. And it taught me a lot about how to run a business, but the kind of work that they were doing and the kind of the actual industry that they were in wasn't necessarily what I thought I you know, would spend my life working on. And so I started thinking about, okay, you know, I want to get back towards the technology side of things. I want to get back towards building technology, but I still don't want to be an engineer specifically. I want to maybe work with engineers and work with people who are very close to the development process of different technologies without necessarily building them myself. And so that made me start thinking about, again, what are the careers? What are the roles? What are the things that that could look like? And obviously there's People always talk about PM and product management and all those different things. And th those were some options to me, but I was also, again, still very interested in the hardware side of things, which isn't as, there's not as much like PM. Like PM, I think, is very software dominated in terms of how it actually plays out at different companies. So I still had to think about that. And when it came to start looking at schools, I had like this, these criteria in my mind where I wanted it to be a school that was strong in the tech world without necessarily having a specific role attached to that. I also had spent a lot of time in Chicago at this point. So I was five years in Chicago. So there was really good business schools in Chicago and Kellogg and Booth. But again, I like to live in different places, sample different things. I had spent five years in Chicago. Yeah. Also, the this was I was applying in 2020. The pandemic was still in its most scary phases and there was a lot of uncertainty. And I just felt like, you know, now's a really good time for a change. So initially I almost didn't apply to any of the schools in Chicago. I ended up applying to Kellogg because they also have pretty strong placement into tech. And that was something I still valued. And then I also applied to Stanford and three other consortium schools. So Berkeley, of course, Yale, SOM, and Michigan Ross. So in total, I applied to six schools with that criteria of strong in tech, but also different from Chicago. That was some of the important things. Oh, and I also applied to Warden also has a pretty large, large contingent and they Warden in the Bay kind of program. So there's some adjacencies to tech as well. And every business school admissions process is different for everybody. And I, I think mm. going back to the question about like advice, there is, I think more so than any other professional school, there is a strong emphasis on prestige and rank and business school and name brand and all those different things. And that definitely influenced my thinking a lot. But I'd say my advice to people is everyone's business school application journey is going to be very unique. And there's more similarities across business schools than not. I think there are certain factors and there's certain areas that the prestige, I wouldn't say rank because rank, in my opinion, doesn't really mean too much. But prestige and name brand definitely has some effects in certain areas. 
but I think it's very often overstated for people who aren't as familiar with the world. There's a lot of people who go into business school to start recruiting in tech or recruiting for consulting or recruiting for banking and stuff like that. And I'd say that there is really in those specific areas, especially the bigger the companies, there's a lot less difference than there are similarities. There's definitely going to be some funds or some firms or something that might only recruit from Harvard or might only recruit from Stanford or something like that. And if you know that you want to work in one of those, then yeah, you know what kind of what steps you have to take. But outside of those few situations, there's a lot more similarities than there are not. And you can think of other things like the school, culture, fits, geographic location, student size, all those different things I think will have a much larger impact on your experience. And so for me, when I was looking at these schools, the ones that I listed, they're obviously kind of, you know, difference in geography, difference in class size. So I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted out of the program, but I'd, I'd, except outside of the fact that I knew I wanted to get back into tech. And so there was a lot of decisions that I had to make as the applications went out and as the admissions started rolling in. And it ended up coming down to the three schools, Berkeley, Yale, and Kellogg that I was choosing between. And I remember that the, <laughs> at this time, like for a week, every single school was on top for one day. You know, it's like, okay, like so one day it's a Berkeley is my top choice. One day it's Yale, next day it's Kellogg. And I just kind of kept on rotating through because they all offered such different things and it made it difficult because I was interested in all the things that they offered. But at the end of the day, and again, this kind of goes back to why it's all very unique. The reason that I chose Berkeley really came down to the fact that it was on the West Coast in the Bay. So that was important because I'd never lived there before and I like to experience different things. And also I want to get into tech and the Bay is a really good place to be in tech. Even the people that, you know, are coming out of Kellogg that are going to tech, they're eventually going to the West Coast. So yeah, that was something that I wanted to experience for myself. And that was really the most important parts. Obviously their were, money was a factor. And so I got um, pretty good scholarships uh, from Berkeley through the consortium. Yale as well gave me a pretty good scholarship and even Kellogg gave me some money. But Berkeley gave me the most, and that was also a factor. It's really nice to not have to worry about paying back, you know, a huge substantial amount of loans after school is done, because in my mind, it really opens up your potential employment opportunities because you don't have to worry about like, all right, am I going to be making enough to pay back my loans or not, or whatever it may be. So that was also a smaller factor. And the reason that, you know, I mean... I was choosing between Yale and Berkeley on the money side. Like, again, Berkeley is just top notch when it comes to tech placement and being in the Bay. It felt like there was, there was, even though I had been rotating through the options at the end of the day, after I chose Berkeley, I was like, you know what? This is an easy choice in hindsight. Like these, this is capturing all the things that I wanted. Kellogg obviously was really close because, you know, it's a great school and they have some of that name brand. So you kind of almost get the best of both the worlds, but because I knew the things that I want to get into in terms of, you know, it's technology recruiting and startup recruiting. They're more similar there than they are not. Plus five years in Chicago winters. I, uh, I was ready for some California type weather. Even if it's not LA, Bay, the Bay definitely beats out Chicago every season of the year, except for maybe summer. So I haven't spent a summer in the Bay quite yet, yeah. but I've heard good things about it. We'll see what that looks like for me. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's one of the secrets that people don't realize. You know, it's kind of a you want to go to school somewhere, but you also might want to enjoy living there. And so the Bay is the, one of the kind of the best kept secrets, I think, when it comes to that. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed exploring it now. And again, like the reason that I like to explore and like be in different areas is it I treat it as an opportunity to push myself out of my comfort zone. So like thinking about if I had stayed in Chicago, stayed in Kellogg, like my life would be very similar to what it had been for the last five years. Where I'm out in the Bay, I now have access to 
beaches and not that Lake Michigan doesn't have real beaches. I'll, you know, it's still fun in the summer and I'll, I'll die on that hill, even if it's not a real quote unquote beach, the access to the mountains. I'm really interested in becoming a lot better skier. And those are the things that are very difficult to do logistically outside of this area. I'm just getting a chance to really not just develop myself professionally, but on a personal level, I think I just grow the most and learn the most when I push myself into new unfamiliar environments. And that's something that I've been, I've been really been getting out of this process so far. What was it like when you got to campus? I mean, you, you've kind of hit the ground running. You got involved in school and leadership, and but you still have gone through the pandemic as well. You know, what was that like? Just you got accepted. Okay, you're coming to Haas and then you, you get here or, or you start your MBA experience. What was that like? Uh, yeah, that was slash that is, I won't say stressful time, but obviously a lot going on. And I left my job at McMaster Car in, I think, July of the summer beforehand. And it was very tough, as I'm sure people from the Bay know, to find housing while not being in the Bay. Yeah. And I had actually talked to someone through a mutual friend who was from the South Bay, who was interested in coming to Berkeley. So we talked on the phone and he ended up um, deciding to come to Berkeley. I'm not going to say based off of my conversation, but it's a joke that like I'm the reason that he's here now because he was deciding, you know, whether, you know, go to Berkeley or not go to Berkeley. And he had asked me, like, hey, do you want to live together? I'm here in the day. I can help find a spot. I actually got a really lucky with that in that my current roommate now, or my current roommates now, are people who are from the Bay and were just able to find it. So I was able to, like, land with a place already settled. And I was like, okay, that's one stressful thing out of the way. So this will be easy to start off with, right? <laughs> there was still a lot going on when I landed. Um, I think the first night that I, I got to Berkeley, there I went to a really fun block party in downtown Oakland, um, met a few they're now second years at that block party and was automatically or instantly building that like Berkeley network and those Berkeley connections. And it made me realize it really solidified in my mind. Yeah, this is the place that I want to be. This is the place that is going to be good for me. There's so much for me to explore here. So many people to meet, so many connections to make and networks to build. And when classes started, you mentioned I'm, I actually didn't intend to do the MN dual degree. When I first applied to schools, I it was one of my criteria that I wanted to find a school that has really good resources outside of the business schools. And so, you know, Berkeley is a great university, has a great engineering program because I knew I wanted to get back into tech. I thought that would be really attractive. And then when I got accepted, they sent an email saying, hey, do you want to also apply to the MNG program? And I was like, you know what? Sure, I think I will. And I didn't really think it was going to get accepted, first of all, and then I didn't really think I was going to do it, but then I ended up deciding to do it. And yeah, I know it was a little bit off the cup, but I appreciated the experience so far. There's obviously things that I didn't expect coming out of it and that there's things that I'm still navigating and trying to figure out. But what it has been really good for and what and why I, I bring it up and talking about what it was like to start this whole process was it instantly showed me the world outside of Haas. I think there's a lot of really great resources outside of Haas. And again, because Berkeley is a great university and the College of Engineering is really good. And a lot of people will end up finding out about those in their second year or much later on. Whereas like very early on, I knew, all right, here's all the things that are available to me. Obviously, it made the, the time management side a little bit more difficult. It just puts a little bit extra on your plate. And I didn't mind that because when I started out, one of the things that I wanted to do was... Even though I know I had this thesis about, okay, I want to get back into tech, I'm also here to explore all the options. And even in my essays, I wrote about how in the short term, yes, I want to get into tech. I want to work in you know, either big tech or small startups that are, that are focused on 
consumer hardware and these things like that. Long term, I think VC, after I build up this expertise, VC is somewhere that I can see myself and helping founders and early stage founders and founders of color and all these different things with my expertise that I've gained through business school and through that work experience. And so at this time, it's like, all right, there's a lot of different ways that I can, you know, start exploring these things. So even though I'm planning on recruiting for tech, let me go ahead and join the VC club and let me go ahead and join the Berkeley Step program and start working with MN students who are working on their own startups right now. Those are just some of the few resources that like I initially put on my plate. And what I ended up doing was, and I did this intentionally, but I really overloaded myself. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sample everything. I'm going to put as much on my plate as I can. And then I'm going to see what sticks essentially, because at the end of the day, you only have so much time and you end up prioritizing the things that you find important and the things that you don't find important will fall off the wayside. And so I'm now reaching the stage um, where I think things are starting to fall off the wayside and I'm starting to hone in my focus and my prioritization. But it was really helpful kind of early on being able to say, I did all this, I experienced all this, here's why I fall off the radar, here's why it's not as high on my priority list. And I think that's also helpful because I'm pretty involved with the admissions process in terms of, you know, both my MLT network, the consortium network, and the BBSA, the Black Business Student Association. I have people reaching out to me to get my experience and to get my understanding of things. And because I've sampled so many different things, I'm like, I might not be doing this anymore, but I can tell you about the Berkeley Step program or Lean Launchpad or all these different things. And I can tell you what it's like to be a dual degree student in the MNG program. And hmm. they're all things that I think are, they allow me to be more helpful to people who are also following the same path. No, that's awesome, John. You brought it up. You're one of the leaders of um, BBSA, you know, the Black Business Student Association. Can you talk a, a bit about like uh, how you decided to take on a leadership role, not just be a member of the, the organization or club, but really take on a leadership role and have that front and center as part of your experience at Haas? Yeah, I think for me, and I, I talked to a lot of second year students about what it looks like to be a student leader and what are the, the responsibilities and all those different things. And a lot of the advice I got and I'll also kind of like pass along is only be a leader of things that you're truly passionate about because a lot of responsibility, it's a lot of work, it's time consuming. And going back to that, you know, idea of sampling a whole bunch of different things and seeing what sticks in your prioritization, it should be really high there. It shouldn't be an afterthought. If you want to give the experience as a club leader that you are, are planning on giving people. And the reason that I decided to really pursue the leadership specifically with BBSA was it's honestly like this idea of be the change you want to see in the world. So going back to my time in MLT and that community and thinking about the different schools, I was really excited about Berkeley for a lot of reasons. But one thing that kind of always came up in discussion or conversation was like, you know, Berkeley's not very diverse. The school doesn't have a lot of black students, has a lot of black and brown students. It's not really known as a safe place for black people. And because I said I moved around a lot, I lived in suburban Ohio, I lived in Northwest Texas. I lived in a lot of different places where I was only the black person around and my family was, was really the only black people around. That didn't scare me a lot, but it did make me sad for students who felt that was more important to their experience that would still have a lot to gain from coming to a school like Berkeley, but now they're intimidated by the fact that, oh, you know what, this might not be a place for us. This might not be a place for me. And so my vision and me and my co-president, Monica Shaver, you know, we, we talked a lot about this as we thought about what we wanted BBSA to look like was we want to change this perception. We want this to be a place that people no longer consider unsafe for black people or unattractive to black people or don't have that high diversity numbers and things like that. And obviously 
a lot of that is with the diversity, the diversity admissions office and the admissions office in general. There's only so much we can control of students, but I think a lot of it does start with creating that community. And I think one is just correcting misperceptions. Like there are a fair number, you know, of people here, especially percentage wise, when you look at how small of our class size is, it's very easy to like, this is something that I ended up doing is comparing to places like Wharton and Ross who like, they have very large student body populations in general. So just like an absolute number of people are going to be, they're going to cross more demographics just in an, an absolute number, even with the similar percentages. So one is just kind of like correcting this mis misperception. And then two is building on the good work that I think Berkeley has done in the past years. I think there was a few years in the past that where Berkeley really did get this rep for being not diverse, where they had a very small black and brown student populations. And they've definitely been built, building past that. And we just want to make sure that we continued building that progress. And, you know, the progress has been made before we got here. The class above us did a great job of making sure that we felt welcome and included. And especially given how they were virtual for their first year, that I really give a lot of props to them for being able to put in the infrastructure that we needed to have the success that we've had this year in terms of building that, that idea of community. And again, kind of going back to the question of like, why would you do something like this? It's so I can have that change. And now as I look at the incoming first years and, you know, the students that are, that are planning on coming here and hearing about, you know, what are the perceptions that they have about Berkeley? I can already hear in the language that it's starting to change. There's still people who have questions kind of like I've heard about the community at Berkeley and what it looks like for black and brown students. And I'm happy now to be able to say like, you know what, what you heard was true in the past. It's not true this year. I can, you know, point to different things that we've done. I can point to different events that we've had and different resources that we've built to say that, hey, this is no longer the case, even if it was in the past. And in some cases, it was never the case. You just you hear things, but this is no longer the case or it was never the case. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that, you know, just because of that, Berkeley is the school for you. But I don't want that to be a negative consideration in your mind as you think about what schools to attend and, and what are what are the important criteria that you think Berkeley is missing out on. I've noticed even during my time at Haas, it, it's really changed, I, I think, overall for the positive. And it could be other business schools too. Just the, it's something you feel, you know, you just feel it on campus. I don't know if other people have that experience. It just, there's a different feel and it feels even more welcoming. And, and maybe it's because of the pandemic, people just realizing we, we have to come together and, and really just be a place where everyone can feel like they, they can have an awesome time. And I don't know, it's, it's been cool to see as part of that process. So John, I know you're going through classes and getting things done. What are you up to now? And what are some of the things that you're thinking about for the future, uh, maybe while you're still at Haas and then also post-MBA as well? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'm up to, a, again, even though I peeled off a lot, I think I'm still up to a good amount. So between club leadership at the BBSA, you know, event planning and making sure that all the committees are supported and know what they need to do and setting good visions and goals for people and then helping them execute that's, you know, a big chunk of the time. And we had a lot of events over Black History Month that really took a lot of my time and focus. So now that that's not that Black History is over, but Black History Month, as it's recognized in the U.S., is over now. And we're not having as many events related to that. There's time for me to focus on a few other things. So in addition to the core classes that I'm taking that I'm really enjoying this semester, I also have my engineering class, which is a project-based class where we are looking. It's a, So I'm in the systems engineering department and the class I'm taking right now is it's a really interesting one where it combines a lot of um, statistics and behavioral economics 
in order to figure out what, how do you build essentially a model to help determine and inform how different consumers make decisions. Mm. And I find it really interesting. It's actually a very popular class amongst people who are interested in policy because you want to design and develop and implement some kind of policy in order to affect consumer decisions or affect consumer behavior. What are the things that you can like quantitatively do to understand how you should develop that policy? For me, what I'm trying to do after school and, and, and this summer, I'll be at Apple doing supply chain stuff and working on you know some of their hardware teams, which I'm really excited about. But long term, I, I do want to work on that consumer strategy and my consumer products and the strategy around how those products get built and developed. And I think there's a lot of overlap in terms of if you can quantitatively understand to some degree what are the drivers that help people make decisions, I think that can only help you inform your product design choices and your, your, your business design choices and you know your, your supply chain choices. So I find that class really interesting, both for what I'm doing right now. It's definitely... I'd say tougher than my MBA classes, so it takes a lot of my time. But um, it's also, I think, you know, pretty interesting and something that I think will help me going forward. So between the engineering, the core classes, the leadership stuff, I've also been traveling a ton. I was traveling a lot last semester. It's been fun. It definitely added to the amount of things that I had to do in the time management. I felt like everyone wants to get married now because the pandemic kind of is allowing people to have their large gatherings and stuff. And so I traveled like three times last semester for weddings. I'm traveling a few times this semester for weddings, which again, I love being a part of them. I love, you know, celebrating my friends and family who are having such a momentous occasion, but especially so many of them are on the East coast and flying that coast to coast life is, can be tough. But in addition to, like I said, the the black ski trip that I just got back from a little while ago, there's been a lot of fun trips that we've got planned both for, you know, my own personal stuff and one of my friends is organizing a spring break trip to Dubai and Egypt that I'm really excited oh, wow. about. So more travel on the horizon and we really stops and I'm excited about that. And then I think the last class that I'm taking, um, actually I'm taking two more classes in addition to that. Haas Impact Fund is one that exploring things outside of direct tech management career paths. And like, I, you know, it's my first essential, essentially my first experience with the VC world and how that all works, but still has that like positive impact focus on it. And it's been really fun. We're starting to reach out to companies and talk to companies and leverage our own personal networks to figure out, hey, who needs to raise money? And that's been something that's been really cool because I actually, you know, I'm talking to, I got two older brothers. I'm talking to the people in their networks to say like, hey, I'm raising money at my school. You guys know all these people who are founders and entrepreneurs, like, Let's make those connections happen. And I'm really seeing like how like I am one of the spokes in the network that can lead to, you know, someone ended up getting some a check from Berkeley, which I think is really cool. And then I think content wise, my favorite class so far has been this um, media class that I'm taking. I think it's the only media class in Haas specifically. The professor is super interesting, always brings in really awesome guest speakers and the discussion around media and technology. And I think media is such a broad term and it encompasses so many different things the business models that enable it the impacts on society the devices that we consume it through all these different things are all topics of discussion in the class and so i've been really enjoying how that class is, has been playing out so that's kind of like what's on my plate academically and professionally and this summer i'll be at apple so i'm done with the recruiting side and that's really nice to not have to worry about again got that through the consortium so i was done with it really early on 
another really great plug for the consortium. Um, you know, you mentioned it's an awesome program and I can only agree because it's taken away so much stress from my life. But this summer, I'll be excited to stay here in the Bay, continue exploring it outside of the confines of class schedule. I think people always like to joke like, or not necessarily joke, but talk about how different it is your time management needs are when you're working versus when you're in school. So I've been traveling a ton. And like I said, business school is not necessarily the toughest academically, but just time management makes it so difficult to do things. And you always need to be working on something almost, or you always need to be doing something in order to be making progress. This summer, I'll have a job that ends at a certain time. I'll close my laptop and then on the weekends, I'll be free to do whatever I want to do. And I met a lot of people this weekend that are going to be from other business schools coming to intern in the Bay and tech and across different industries. So I'm really excited to put on different events and introduce people to at least what I've learned about the Bay and continue to build those cross-school connections. I think my thesis for getting back into tech is still kind of in play in terms of what I'm going to be doing after I graduate. We'll see how the Apple role goes this summer and if it's something that I think is attractive as a long-term or at least full-time option after graduation. But I'm definitely open to exploring other ways of being in the tech world. I'm really interested in consumer hardware, so I can't think of a better place to be than Apple. But in terms of the roles, maybe it's something a little bit more strategy-focused versus supply chain and operations and stuff like that. So. I think there's definitely a lot of um, a lot of room for me to continue exploring even once I start full-time recruiting. And afterwards, I think I plan on being in the Bay for at least a couple of years. My entire family's on the East Coast, so I got that gravitational pull away from here. But in the meantime, the kind of things that I want to work on, it's no better place to work on than here. So those are a lot of the things that I'm, I'm really excited about. That's awesome. John, we have a tradition on the podcast where we, we do a lightning round towards the end. Uh, just some some fun questions, uh, quick answer questions. And uh, before we end today's podcast, we'd love to do a lightning round with you. And then, yeah, and then we'll be done. Sure thing. I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah, well, it's supposed to be fun, sometimes controversial, but maybe not. So the first question, you know, you mentioned that you are an avid traveler. So what's one place that you would uh, recommend or what's one of your favorite places uh, to travel when you have time? That's the easy one, Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. I went there for a bachelor party and it just really combines a lot of the great things about places like Miami and Europe that are much more affordable. So beautiful city, beautiful place to be, beautiful people, like I, I loved it all. Oh man, that's going on my list. Uh, what about this one? What's one of your favorite memories so far in the MBA program? That's a good question because I got so many of them, but I would actually say it started just before the program. I got here before classes started, and it's actually my birthday at the end of the summer. Oh, wow. And I, in Chicago, I like to have a lot of fun birthday festivities with my network there. And obviously, I didn't have a big network here yet, but the Haas community, when they found out it was my birthday, and like literally like my first weekend, made it a really fun experience, and everyone was buying me drinks and like that kind of fun thing. And it wasn't something I expected to have, you know, on my third day in, <laughs> in the Bay Area, but it was, again, one of those experiences that showed me like, yep. I'm in a place that I, that's going to be really good for me. John, what's uh, one piece of advice that you'd give to someone, either personal or professional based? One piece of advice is that's it's going to be tough. I'd say definitely don't be afraid to like push your boundaries and don't get outside your comfort zone. I feel like that's like a very like cliche piece of advice, but the way I'd frame it is it's a lot easier to get comfortable and stay inside your comfort zone without even realizing you're in your comfort zone. You might think you are actually pushing your boundaries when in reality you're just, you know, 
slightly turning to the left or slightly turning to the right. And, and what I say is completely change everything that you thought about, like what you thought your boundary was. And just, if you can go to the opposite end of the spectrum and just test it out to see kind of like how far you can go and how far you think the spectrum even is. And then you might realize, wow, there's way more in the middle than I thought here, or there's, it's not as far as I thought that this thing that I thought was super radical mm. really isn't all that radical. And maybe I can even go further. And like, now I'm getting close to finding something that is even better for me than I thought could be possible on this side of whatever spectrum I'm thinking of. And last one, uh, what's one thing that gets you excited about the future? In times that we've been living in, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's easy to be pessimistic about um, the future. And I think that's something that we've all experienced over these last few years and even ongoing right now as we think about what's going on in the world. But to keep to the optimistic note of it, one thing that gets me excited is we did make it through this process. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not taking that lightly in that, you know, there was a lot of people that we lost over the last few years through the pandemic, through different conflicts and that are ongoing. And it's really both sobering to think about what it took for us to get this far, but also it makes me optimistic that there's going to be a lot of challenges that we have. We will, we're more resilient than as a society, as a species, than I think I thought we were. Of course, that's yet to be seen and I, I'll, I'll keep my realistic tinge about it, but I'm happy that there's a lot of, I think, renewed focus on changing things for the better, given what we've gone through. And if we can sustain that momentum and not let it be a moment, and a lot of times I think strong historical or strong societal impulses are they're a little bit fleeting. I think this is going to be some of the most sustained change that we've seen so far in our society. And that makes me excited because it'll, I think it will help unlock a lot of, you know, social value for us as a people, for marginalized people, especially, um, and just important to kind of like keep on doing that work. And I'm excited that I think there is a lot of people who are very inspired to do that work now. John, uh, it's been great to have you on the show. Want to just wish you the best of Best of luck this summer, and then uh, as well, you know, all the all the best in, in everything in the future as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the One Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled h-a-a-s dot f-m. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley House podcasts. And until next time, go Bears! <laughs>